0: come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense and myrrh. This is Richard Wharf bringing you a program of words and music. Many songs are sung, and stories told of this, the Christmas season. But to my mind, none captures the true spirit of Christmas. Better than O Henry's, the gift of the Magi. One dollar and eighty-seven cents. That was all she had. Three times Della counted it. $1.87. And the next day would be Christmas. There was clearly nothing to do but to flop down on the shabby little couch and howl. So she did. A shabby little couch in a shabbily furnished flat at $8 per week. In the vestibule below was a letter box. above which was a card bearing the name Mr. and Mrs. James Dillingham Young. But whenever Mr. James Dillingham Young came home and reached his flat above, he was called Jim, by Mrs. James Dillingham Young, which is all very good. Della finished her cry and attended to her cheeks with the powder rag. She stood by the window and looked out dully at a gray cat walking a gray fence in a gray backyard. Tomorrow would be Christmas Day, and she had only $1.87 with which to buy Jim a present. She'd been saving every penny for months with this result. $20 a week doesn't go far. Expenses had been greater than she'd calculated. They always are. Only one dollar and eighty-seven cents to buy a present for Jim, her Jim. Many a happy hour she'd spent planning for something nice for him, something fine and rare, sterling, something just a little bit near to being worthy of the honor, of being owned by Jim. Now there were two possessions of the James Dillingham Youngs in which they both took a mighty pride. One was Jim's gold watch that had been his father's and his grandfather's. The other was Della's hair. Now Della's beautiful hair fell about her, rippling and shining like a cascade of brown waters. It reached below her knee. It made itself almost a garment for her. She did it up nervously and quickly. Once she faltered for a minute and stood still, while a tear or two splashed on the worn red carpet. On went her shabby brown jacket. On went her old brown hat. With a whirl of her skirts and a brilliant sparkle in her eyes, she fluttered out the door and down the stairs to the street. Where she stopped, the sign read, Madam Sofroni, hair goods of all kinds. One flight up, Della ran and collected herself panting. Will, will you buy my hair, asked Della. I would buy hair. Take your hat off and let's have a look at the sights of it. Down rippled the brown cascade. Twenty dollars, said Madame, lifting the mass with a practical hand. Give it to me quick. The next two hours tripped by. She was ransacking the stores for Jim's present. She found it at last. It had surely been made for Jim and no one else. There was no one like it in any of the stores. It was a platinum fob chain, simple, chaste in design, proclaiming its value and substance alone as all good things should. It was even worthy of the watch. As soon as she saw it, She knew it must be Jim's. It was like him. Quietness and value. The description applied to both. Twenty-one dollars it cost, and she hurried home with eighty-seven cents. With that chain on his watch, Jim might be properly anxious about the time in any company. Grand as the watch was, he sometimes looked at it on the sly on account of the old leather strap that he used in place of a chain. When Della reached home, her intoxication gave way to a little prudence and reason. She got out her curling irons and lighted the gas and went to work repairing the ravages made by generosity and love, which is a mammoth task. Within 40 minutes, her head was covered with tiny, close-lying curls that made her look wonderfully like a truant schoolboy. She looked at her reflection in the mirror long, carefully, and critically. Jim doesn't kill me before he takes a second look at me. He'll say I look like a Coney Island chorus girl. But what could I do? What could I do with a dollar and 87 cents? Seven o'clock the coffee was made and the frying pan was on the back of the stove, hot and ready to cook the chops. Jim was never late. Della doubled the fob chain in her hand and sat on the corner of the table near the door that he always entered. And then she heard his step on the stair. She turned a little white just for a moment. She had a habit of saying little silent prayers about the simplest everyday things. And now she whispered, Please, God, make him think I'm still pretty. The door opened, and Jim stepped in. He looked thin and very serious. He needed a new overcoat. He was without gloves. His eyes were fixed upon Della. And there was an expression in them that that she couldn't read. It, It terrified her. It was not anger, nor surprise, nor disapproval, nor horror, nor any of the sentiments that she'd been prepared for. He simply stared at her, fixedly, with that peculiar expression on his face. Della wriggled off the table and went for him. Jim, darling, don't look at me that way. I, I, I cut my hair off and sold it because I... I couldn't have lived through Christmas without giving you a present. It'll grow out again. You won't mind, will you? I just had to do it. My hair grows awfully fast. Say Merry Christmas, Jim, and let's be happy. You don't know what a nice, what a, what a nice gift I've got for you. You cut your hair off. Cut it off and sold it. Don't you like me just as well, anyhow? I'm me without my hair just the same. Jim looked about the room curiously. You say your hair is gone? You needn't look for it. Sold, I tell you, sold and gone. It's Christmas Eve, boy. Maybe the hairs of my head were numb, but... but nobody could ever count my love for you. Shall I put the chops on, Jim? Jim suddenly seems to wake out of his trance. He took her in his arms. Eight dollars a week or a million a year, what's the difference? Jim drew a package from his overcoat pocket and threw it on the table. Don't make any mistake about me, Dell. I don't think there's anything in the way of a haircut or a shave or a shampoo that could make me like a girl, less than I like my girl. But if you'll unwrap that package, you'll see why you had me gone for a while at first. Nimble fingers tore at the strings and paper, and then, in a scream of joy, and then, last, ah, quick family change to hysteria and tears and wails, necessitating the immediate employment of all the comforting powers of the lord of the flat. For there lay the combs, the set of combs, Side and back, the Della had worshipped for a long time in a Broadway window. Beautiful combs, pure tortoiseshell with jewel rims, just the shade to wear with that beautiful varnished hair. They were expensive combs she knew, and her heart had simply craved and yearned over them without the least hope of possession. Now they were hers. But the tresses they should have adorned were gone. But she hugged them to her bosom, and at length she was able to look up with dim eyes and smile and say, My hair grows so fast, Jim. And then Della leaped up and cried, Oh, oh. Jim had not yet seen his beautiful present. She held it out to him eagerly with her open palm. The dull, precious metal seemed to flash with a reflection of her bright and ardent spirit. Isn't it a dandy, Jim? I hunted all over town to find it. Give me a watch. I want to see how it looks on it. Instead of obeying, Jim tumbled on the couch and put his hands under the back of his head and smiled. Dell, let's put our Christmas presents away and keep them for a while. They're too nice to use just at the present. I sold the watch to get the money for your combs. And now, suppose you put the chops on. The Magi, as you know, were wise men, wonderfully wise men, who brought gifts to the babe in the manger. They invented the art of giving Christmas presents. Being wise, their gifts were no doubt wise ones, possibly bearing the privilege of exchange in case of duplication. And here I have lamely related to you the uneventful chronicle of two foolish children in a flat who most unwisely sacrifice for each other the greatest treasures of their house. And in the last word of the wise of these days, let it be said that of all who give presents, these two were the wisest. Of all who give and receive, such as these are the wisest. Everywhere they are the wisest. These are the Magi. been listening to words with music. Bob Mitchell was at the organ, and this is Richard Wharf saying, Merry Christmas and so long. This is the Armed Forces Radio Service, the voice of information and education.